Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and certainly hope that you're enjoying your Derby weekend. What do the disaster declarations for ice storms and flooding mean for parts of Kentucky? We'll be talking to representatives from FEMA and the Small Business Association about the help that is now available in some hard hit areas. That is later. But first, the housing market around the country and here in Kentucky is red hot and many are moving up or cashing in. New estimates are that more than 10% of homeowners plan to move in the next year. But the boom is also revealing some real problems and challenges with affordable housing. And even those pre-approved are finding themselves having trouble finding a place and then heading into a dramatic situation with the multiple offers and that sort of thing as they are uh, looking at something they like. Joining us from the Lexington Bluegrass Association of Realtors is the CEO, Justin Landon, getting us up to date on some of the trends. And this year's Elbar president, Christy Gooch, who is a longtime real estate broker. Welcome. We appreciate both of you being here. Thanks for having us, Bill. Uh, Justin, the numbers uh, coming out nationally show the, the challenges out there. This country has a, a profound housing shortage right now. It's really tough here in the bluegrass. As we've said before, kind of a best of times, toughest of times. Uh, some are doing very well, uh, selling and moving on, but uh, that's just part of what's happening out there. What are you seeing right now? Yeah, I think what we're seeing both here in, in uh, central Kentucky and around the country is uh, a simple supply and demand problem, right? We have uh, de record demand uh, as a result of sort of historically low interest rates over a long period of time. And, uh, you know, despite some of the challenges that we've faced over the last 12 to 18 months, you know, as an economy and as a country, um, you know, the economy remains relatively strong. And uh, as a result, demand for homes is, is at a record high. And of course, I think coming out of the pandemic too, people have sort of refocused on home as, as something that they're prioritizing and they're prioritizing different things in their house maybe than they did a year ago. So we do see a lot of desire to, to make a move. And then on the supply side of the equation, you know, uh, I mean, you look at the data and we've had a, a problem with uh, building homes at the rate that we need uh, nationwide and here locally. And as a result, we just have a an imbalanced market, not enough supply and, and a ton of demand. Christy, you've uh, been a top producer in real estate for a long time. Have you ever seen the kind of drama that's uh, playing out right now with, uh, you know, often multiple offers uh, and sometimes homes uh, going within uh, hours uh, rather than days and weeks as we used to see? Well, no, not to this extreme, definitely. Back in uh, 1999, 2000, 2001, it was common that a house would be on the market for less than 30 days. But it's never been anything that I've ever experienced where a you put a house on the market and immediately you have, you know, 10, 15, 20 showings in one day uh, producing seven, eight, 10, 12 offers. Um, the highest offer count that I've seen within our office was 33 on one house that was on the market for two days. So it's definitely um, new for realtors. However, uh, we are equipped to handle it and guide and lead the sellers and the buyers through these um, interesting times in order to help them secure the home that, that they need. And oftentimes the, the, the asking price, which uh, used to be, you know, the, the folks are selling a home would hope they've got there. Now that's a starting price because of the offers keep coming in and, and uh, people are buying homes for more than, than the asking price, right? Correct. We are definitely in a seller's market and nationally prices are up 17% year over year, while locally, they're up 12% um, year over year. 
And I will note though, that nationally, the average house price is 329 and locally we're at 215. So we're still a lower price point to purchase in the country, but we are definitely seeing some inflation. So what do you tell buyers to do that uh, would make their offer float to the top uh, when, when sellers uh, you know, start looking over those offers? Well, of course, in the end, the decision is always the buyers to make on what they want to offer. However, we advise them to put their best foot forward. Um, usually, if you have a house that is uh, contingent on closing, um, that, that does definitely sway potential, a potential seller in choosing your offer because they want the least contingency possible in order to be able to make sure that deal gets to closing and they don't have to put it back on the market. Justin, you know, it's asking a lot of real estate professionals right now, you know, many buyers out there just aren't wired to make a three or $400,000 decision in a matter of minutes that, you know, it's going to be years and years of their life that they're going to be somewhere. And uh, we also know others have stopped looking uh, in this environment. Uh, is this issue in the Lexington area going to improve anytime soon, or is this really going to take uh, some policies being addressed that, that aren't being talked about enough right now? Well, that's a fun question, but that's an easy one right there, right? Let me get my crystal ball out. You know, I think uh, I, I get asked this question a lot, you know, sort of like, is this going to, is this the new normal? What, you know, what should we be advising buyers and or sellers about what the next, you know, the next year will bring? And obviously we don't really know the answer to that question, but what I do know is that solving a supply problem is not an overnight thing, right? So even if tomorrow uh, lumber prices got back to normal, uh, supply chains across the country were reinvigorated and we, we removed all impediments to development across the country and across the region, you know, we'd still be three, four, five years away from sort of catching up or, or solving some of the supply side problems. So supply is going to remain tight and I don't really see any scenario where that changes. So really the only way that the market experiences a correction is if buyer demand slows. And the two things that would affect buyer demand are interest rates rapidly rising, which I don't really see happening. Uh, and the Fed's been pretty clear that that's not gonna happen. Uh, and the other second one would be, you know, some major economic shift, in which case, you know, real estate's sort of dealing with the same things that the entire economy is dealing with. And if, as we see instability in the economy, real estate will always remain a, a pretty safe investment. And I think that's why we're seeing this big rush of demand. We're certainly seeing more out-of-state buyers than we have in the past. We're certainly seeing more cash offers than we have in the past, more investors looking at real estate as a, as, a, as a really solid investment. And one thing I want to make sure that we mention is I don't want to, yeah, the buyer anxiety is really high, but we're also seeing quite a bit of seller anxiety because as they're looking to sell, they're very anxious about where they're going to go. And one of the things that I really want to make sure that the public understands is that realtors have tools to protect sellers uh, contractually. So what we're starting to see now are, uh, are kinds of agreements where the seller is, is, is contractually giving themselves a period of time uh, to look and find a replacement property before they close on the, uh, with a buyer on theirs. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you're really gonna look for a realtor to help you with, to make sure that as a seller or a buyer that you're protected and given the opportunity to find what you need to be, to find your piece of the American dream. I mean, it is a, it's a pretty complicated scenario right now, right? I mean, you do need somebody who have, uh, has some experience uh, working through uh, some of these things. Uh, would, you, would you say, uh, agree with that uh, right now, Justin, that uh, uh, real estate is, uh, is about as uh, complicated as it's ever been? 
Yeah, there, there's no question. I mean, what we're seeing a lot of is sort of like this chain of events. You know, in, in normal times, a seller lists, buyer buys, seller goes and buys their new house, buyer sells their house. But what we're seeing now is a chain of events where, you know, the buyer has to sell their house to buy, seller has to find a house to sell, and you've got three or four transactions lined up. Uh, I mean, it's sort of like trying to, to to run an aircraft carrier in terms of getting all those ships in the air and then re- all those planes in the air and then recovering them. I mean, that's kind of what a real estate transaction is, is like now. I mean, you need a, an entire flight crew to make it happen. Justin, we see uh, older homes uh, right now being substantially upgraded and flipped that has been ongoing some indication that maybe some of that is slowing across the country. It really represents a opportunity for some, but it, that can also quickly uh, put a neighborhood out of reach for others. And so, uh, you know, gentrification uh, is continuing to be uh, quite an issue uh, across the country and here in this region. Yeah, gentrification's a, a challenging topic. Um, you know, certainly here in our community, what we're starting to see is, you know, a lot of the decisions that we've made about about land use, uh, good or bad, uh, have, have put some pressure on infill and redevelopment, which does impact uh, neighbor neighborhoods and their historical character, uh, because that's where the development and the growth has to occur. And it, and it is disruptive at times. Um, one of the things that <clears throat> I know Christy um, feels pretty strongly about, and I'll let her come on after I sort of introduce it, is that what we're seeing quite a bit of is investors go into neighborhoods uh, and, you know, a practice called wholesaling, which is where they're um, approaching homeowners, buying their house for cash or, or entering into a contract to buy their house and then flipping that contract uh, or quickly flipping the house to an investor who's then going to do the work and then and, and upgrade it. Uh, what we really want to make sure that people are doing is that they're contacting a professional if they're going to consider selling their house. It's not to say that a cash offer from a from an investor isn't the best is may, may be the right answer, but it may not be. And I think you really need to, to contact a professional. I'm sure Christy's dealt with some of those Yeah, Christy, talk about that a little bit. I mean, the postcards are flying and the calls are being made and people getting those uh, those offers uh, for, for a cash deal for their, a quick cash deal for their homes. Right, so what we're seeing is we're seeing that those postcards and those solicitations are going out to um, a, a, an entire neighborhood asking them if they're looking to sell their home quickly for cash. Well, the reality of it is that there's there tends to be or seems to be currently an infusion of cash in our economy in the purchase offer um, market within the real estate sell. So what we're doing is we are putting the market, the house out on the open market. So the open market can determine what this price escalation will be for that sale. Just like you said earlier, we're getting multiple offers at over asking price. So we believe that it's in the best interest of all sellers to put their house on the open market so they can achieve whatever the difference the wholesaler would have gotten for the uh, price they gave versus the price that they're going to turn around and sell the property for. Um, That is the seller's home. They deserve to earn all the equity. And another thing I want to mention is a lot of times wholesalers aren't doing anything to the property. They're just selling it and then they're turning right around and putting it back on the market um, to their small group of investors, 8, 10, 12 people, whoever it might be, and they're selling it for a profit. So it's definitely not a hard time in our industry right now in the housing market to sell a home 
It's just making sure that you're represented so you get the most that you possibly can for your property. Uh, Christy, let me ask you this. When uh, people do go in with an offer that's substantially above uh, the asking price, are you running into situations where uh, the appraisal uh, for the loan uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't come in and, and therefore the, the deal falls through because of that? Well, we have seen that happen. Um, what we're also seeing right now is a situation in which buyers that are being very aggressive or waiving, or, um, waiving their appraisal contingencies. So if you're a cash buyer or if you are a buyer that doesn't require an appraisal to close on the property, then that's part of the aggressiveness that the buyers are coming to the table with. Um, they're trying to eliminate all contingencies in order to make the seller feel like they have the most solid offer in the, the pack of offers they receive after mm -hmm. just a few hours on the, on the market. Justin, your uh, service area is large. It includes uh, Lexington and the surrounding counties and then south uh, to, the, to the Tennessee border. Uh, tell us a little bit about, is it the same situation? Uh, you know, we know that in central Kentucky, uh, Madison and Jessamine and Scott are all growing uh, very quickly and they're starting to maybe hit some guardrails in some of those areas as well. And then uh, south into uh, southern Kentucky and the lake uh, regions. Are you, are you seeing the same kinds of trends? Yeah, I mean, real estate is always very local, right? I mean, you, and so it's unique in every every market or sub-market within our larger market. Uh, I would say that the, the counties adjacent to Fayette County are largely experiencing sort of similar effects. Madison County, Scott County, you know, those are gonna be similar markets to Fayette County. You know, as you get down into Laurel County, London, or, or uh, you know, Knox County or Whitley County, Pulaski County, I mean, it's definitely a, a different uh, market, but, you know they're 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 not seeing the 30 offers maybe on on a property, but they are uh, short of supply uh, and they have high demand. So a lot of the same things are happening. It's just not quite as extreme uh, as you're seeing up here. And and a lot of that's being driven by the, you know, not just the 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 people the owner occupied purchasers. That's because we're seeing the investors mm -hmm. up here too, right? People who are um, adding on to the already demand from the folks that want to live in the house now when you're in the larger market like Fayette County, you're also dealing with that, that investor class. Chrissy, a final question, uh, you know, and this is for uh, for buyers or sellers, for those uh, out there looking right now, are there uh, typical types of amenities people are looking for? Has the pandemic changed the outlook on what people are looking for? Do they want more uh, property, for instance, or, or what are you seeing? Well, um, first floor masters are definitely um, hot on the market if you have a first floor master or the buyer is looking for a first floor master. Um, I had a referral coming in from Washington just over the uh, last week and they are moving here because they want to move out of the city. So there's a there's definitely an influx of people moving to um, Kentucky because we're more of a rural, a rural community. Um, another item that they're wanting to see or another items that they want to see in their homes is they like them to be in really good condition. Um, they, they're very, they're not as picky as they were a few years ago, the buyers in our market. However, the more um, updated or pristine that your home is, the more it will bring um, at, the, at the sales contract time. All right. 
and Christy Gooch and Justin Landon from Elbar. We appreciate you very much for getting us up to date and we'll, uh, we'll be checking in following these trends because every time we see the numbers, uh, <laughs> as we said, there's more drama out there. We appreciate it. And we'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Kentucky has two active major presidential declarations right now. We're here from FEMA and the Small Business Administration coming up. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. As the pandemic stretched into a year, more challenges for Kentucky now. The Bluegrass State was hit with tough ice storms in February and historic flooding that stretched into March. President Biden has declared disasters in several counties right now, and that triggers a major federal response. What do residents and business owners and others need to know about the help that may be available? Joining us this morning are Marquita Hines of FEMA and Julie Garrett of the U.S. Small Business. Business Administration. Thanks to both of you for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Marquita, first to you. Uh, what does a presidentially declared federal disaster trigger uh, in a hard hit area uh, like ours where, where this has, uh, has happened? Well, thanks, Bill, for this opportunity today to help Kentuckians learn about assistance that's available to them for this disaster, for this flooding event. We know that people are hurting and this is a really difficult time. So again, thanks for this opportunity. FEMA is part of this entire recovery team. Uh, one of the federal counterparts, of course, I should say partners is the SBA and Julie will you know, tell everybody about SBA. So the assistance that's available, let me back up just a moment. We, we encourage everyone to work with their insurance first and then through that work with FEMA, apply to see what you might be eligible for. Could I talk a little bit about that assistance as far as how to apply for it, Bill? Yes, uh, please do, and, and any deadlines that people may uh, face as well. Certainly, thank you. Uh, there are a few ways that you can register for assistance. One is to call our 800 number, and that's 1-800-621-3362. Another way to apply is online at disasterassistance.gov. When you apply, a few things to have handy would be a social security number, the phone number where we can reach you, and the address of your damaged dwelling. This is going to be a confidential, a very secure phone call. And then um, if you'd like, I can talk about the next steps, what happens after you've registered. Right, and, and maybe a, a time frame for that. Oh, certainly. So once you've registered, you're going to get a call for an inspection appointment. And an inspector may come to your house. It may be done virtually. Again, when you mentioned the pandemic, we're doing things a little different. But if you do have an inspector who comes to your house, they're going to have a badge. They're going to have identification. They will never ask you for money. And they'll spend a little time looking over your dwelling documenting that and then providing it back to FEMA. Uh, and as far as documenting goes too, uh, we do encourage people to take photos or some videos, keep receipts, keep any estimates that you might get from contractors for repair as we continue with this recovery process and then seeing what they might be eligible for. Julie, from the SBA side, what mm -hmm. is available uh, in terms of loans uh, for, for businesses or individuals, or, or how will you be helping uh, folks out? 
Okay, so while FEMA is doing grant money to homeowners and renters for their immediate recovery, we are going to be providing low interest, long term disaster loans to help people get fully recovered back to where they were before the disaster. So we have two types of loans. We have physical disaster loans and economic injury. And the physical disaster loans are for businesses of all sizes, nonprofit organizations, including faith-based organizations, and homeowners and renters. And the economic injury disaster loans, those are for working capital to help small businesses and eligible nonprofits get through the recovery process to stay in business until things get back to normal. And for those, you don't have to have had um, physical damage, have an economic loss just because people in your community are hurting and they can't come into your business and your business is down. So you have economic um, impacts even without having physical damage. Julie, are those loans, uh, I'm sure, very favorable terms. Are they? Uh, are any of them uh, forgivable, or, or when will people be expected to pay them back? Okay, well, they're loans, they're not grants, so they are not forgivable, but there is an 18-month payment deferment on the loans right now, so the first payment isn't due until 18 months from when you sign your promissory note. The loans are very low interest, as low as 1.25% for homeowners and renters, and as low as 3% for businesses, and they are 2% for nonprofit organizations. And the terms are up to 30 years. And that term is so um, long because we want your monthly payment to be as low as possible, to make this as affordable as possible. But if you're the kind of person who doesn't like to carry debt, you want to pay that loan off early, there is no prepayment penalty. All right, which is uh, good to know as well. Uh, Marquita, will you be setting up shop in some areas? I know the, the governor of Kentucky has been going out to some areas to uh, make people aware of what is available to them or, or let them sign up. I mean, we are providing some numbers and websites and so forth, but will there be a, a, a physical outreach from FEMA? Uh, thank you for that question, Bill. Uh, this is a joint effort between the federal government and, of course, the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So we will coordinate with the Commonwealth of Kentucky, which we already are doing, and to determine if there will be some of those uh, recovery centers set up or not. But I do want to stress again, even if those are set up, even if they're not, you don't need to go to those. So people can start their recovery now. Again, start with the insurance, start cleanup, documenting, but register for that assistance if you're in one of these designated counties. You don't have to wait for that. You know, we talked about deadlines. It would be 60 days from the date of this declaration to register, and the uh, declaration date was April 23rd. But I don't want to get that date, you know, stuck in mm -hmm. people's head right now. What I really want to encourage people to do is to apply for the assistance because we're going to work, work jointly, like I said, with the Commonwealth of Kentucky, with other federal partners, with volunteer organizations, charitable organizations, to see what can be provided to people who are in need. And Julie, a similar question to you. Uh, can people contact uh, their own financial institution and, and get these loans, or does this need to, uh, to be uh, accessed through the state government as well? Thanks, Bill. That is a good question as well. Uh, these are direct, these loans are direct from the U.S. Treasury and the, the terms and the interest rates stay the same for the course of the loan. 
and you can apply for an SBA disaster loan by going online to disasterloan.sba.gov. That's disasterloan.sba.gov. We also have a virtual disaster loan outreach center set up. And what that means is if you contact us, we'll call you and walk uh, walk through the application with you. We'll give you direct phone support. We'll answer your questions. So even though we're not there, we don't have a physical presence in Kentucky, we have people assigned just to help people in Kentucky right now. We are really going to be there for you. So if you wanna get direct help, you can call our 800 number, 800-659-2955. And that's open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So you can call any time during that period. And you can also email us at foce-help at sba.gov. And you can ask questions by email or ask for somebody to call you and talk to you about your situation. Very good. Marquita and Julie, thanks to both of you uh, for being with us and uh, uh, certainly your work on the disaster that uh, Kentucky is uh, trying to come back from. We appreciate it very much. And we hope you'll stay with us. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. New census data is out. We know Kentucky gets to keep its six members of Congress, and now we know what kind of shift in power we will see on Capitol Hill. Our chief national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren, explains. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. Good news or bad news, depending on where you live. The new 2020 census data was released earlier this week. The decades trends show people leaving the Northeast and Midwest for other parts of the country. That shift sparking a shakeup in Congress. The number of U.S. representatives a state has depends on its population. And fluctuating numbers of residents means a redistribution of House seats, a process called reapportionment. So later this year, for the first time in U.S. history, California will lose one House seat. So will New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, and West Virginia. Where are those seats going? To other states. Texas will pick up two seats, and Florida, North Carolina, Montana, Oregon, and Colorado will each gain one seat. Most of the states gaining a representative are Republican, or at least lean Republican, and that could benefit the GOP in next year's midterm elections. Republicans are fighting to win back the House. As you know, Democrats currently control the House chamber, but only by a razor-thin margin, just 218 to 212 seats with five vacancies. A handful of seats could make all the difference in which party wields the Speaker's gavel. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home covering the national stories that impact you. And remember that you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren this morning at 11.30 on WKYT. We want to thank you for joining us for Kentucky Newsmakers and certainly hope you make it a good week ahead.